Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, Melissa, before you leave, I want you to be honest. All right, so apparently there's not going to be a Fridays anymore at, at Miller Park, which is fine with me because I didn't think the Fridays at Miller Park was any good. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I don't know. You know, like Delaware North is going to run whatever the new restaurant is. And so my, yeah. my sense is it, it probably can't be worse than the Fridays that they had there. All right. So that that's OK. So that's a good thing. Um, the name, when I first saw this story, <laughs> I, know, I, right? I, I thought, OK. The, 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 so it's going to be named later. They, it's kind of like like the American family, which takes over the naming rights for Miller Park next, not next season, but the season after that. Yeah. They have not announced what the name of the stadium is going to be. It's going to be named later. All right, so when I first saw the story, I thought, okay, they're they're blowing out the Fridays. Delaware North is going to run the restaurant there, and they don't have the name for it yet. That's what I thought the story was, but that's not the story, That's is not it? the story. The story is the name of the restaurant is Restaurant to be Named Later. Okay, so that's that's the the name of that's the name of yeah. the restaurant. Okay, would you like to comment on that name, or would you prefer prefer to pass? I, you know, I I'm kind of stumped. I I don't. Maybe there's a marketing thing behind it. I'm guessing there's something to it, right? Well, no. There, well, it, it's it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it's sort I, of I like see see years ago, Marquette University. This is before your your time, Marquette University. That the men's basketball team they were the Warriors, and so you had some people in the community that got their undies in a bundle and thought, oh, this is terrible. It can't be the Warriors because that's derogatory towards Native Americans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, so this huge battle gets fought. So then they bring in these public relations geniuses to come up with like the the new name and one of the names they end up coming up with is the Marquette Gold G O L D mm-hmm. they announced it was going to be the gold and this was this was you had all these like high paid public relations people that came up with this idea and they came up with the gold and that lasted about a week because yeah. everybody thought that was just Dumb. This you know? is interesting. I mean, they, they obviously didn't. I, I, I haven't done a lot of research on it, so I don't know if they took a poll like this should be a name, or <laughs> I have no idea how they came up with this. I honestly don't. But okay. well, it's right. it's a little perplexing. Well, it's <laughs> right. No, no, restaurant to be named. Let's that, go eat at the restaurant to be let's named. Let's go eat later. it later. later. Yeah, because that's what people yeah. are going to say. Yeah, let's go say eat later. It. Let's go eat it later. Well, yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I, I again, I didn't think. The Fridays was very good. So, you know, and the reason you go to places is because they've got good food and they've got, you know, nice drinks and it's atmosphere. a good atmosphere. Oh, the atmosphere yeah, yeah. Fridays is great. But I mean, but the food, ain't. Um, so I, I quite candidly, my guess is it's got nowhere to go but up. But I mean, I was thinking the name, just the name itself. And Bob Euchre is great. I mean, it's a funny little video with him out there, but um Maybe perplexing would be a good word. Yes, okay, yes. so I, I I just thought that maybe there was something I, yeah, that I, I wasn't getting, and I my my answer to this people were discussing it back in the back, and I kind of ventured. I said, well, first of all, it is too clever by half, and that's you know 
when you're too clever by half, that almost always means it's going to be a bad idea. So just, just saying. Yeah, I don't know. Saying, well, if, I guess we'll wait and see how it, how it, if the food's really good. If, it, if the food's really good. Then you the can name call, doesn't matter. Right, yeah. you can call it Gru's, you know, House of Swine. <laughs> if, if the food is really good. Do you like it? you used your name in that, Gru? <laughs> absolutely. Well, so if, if the food is really good, you've got a lot. And, and like I say, with Fridays, at least in my opinion, you've pretty much got nowhere to go but up. So, all Good right. name, bad food. So maybe not so good name, good food with this I, one. I would, whatever. <laughs> all right. Just, I was just wondering if I was missing something. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of feedback on that but when i was hearing a restaurant to be named later i just kept thinking marquette gold marquette gold new coke new coke a restaurant to be named later all right we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program let's start with the huge foreign policy story and i understand in some respects this is dry but on the other hand it is extremely significant and i think it's a situation where President Trump is making a huge mistake, and there's just no two ways around it. It is an enormous mistake that will come back to, if it goes through, to come back, at least in my opinion, and bite the U.S., just like other huge foreign policy mistakes have bit the U.S. I am talking about the decision that apparently surprised Lots of people in Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, and surprised military people at the Pentagon. The decision that the U.S. was going to withdraw troops from the border of Syria and Turkey. Now, let me explain kind of the, the background of this. Uh, Syria has been a breeding ground for terrorists for years and years. There are Kurds, which is a, a group of people, there are Kurds that live along the border between Syria and Turkey, but they live in Syria. They have been supported by the U.S., and they have been fighting ISIS, fighting the terrorists in Syria for years now. They have essentially succeeded, succeeded in doing that. ISIS is under control in that area. But there are a number of ISIS fighters who are held in, in prison camps along with their families along this border. Those prison camps are being maintained by the Kurds. Okay, so, so that's the deal. Turkey, which is the big, big country to the north and to, I guess, the, the, the west. Turkey wants this area where this narrow kind of strip of land in Syria where the Kurds are. Turkey has wanted it for years and years. In addition, there are Kurds that are in Turkey. The Turkey government considers the Kurds in Turkey to be sort of a government resistance form they, for, outfit. They, they think of them as terrorists. So the government in Turkey doesn't want the Kurds in Syria, if you follow me, supporting the Kurds in Turkey. All right, so that, there's no love lost. Turkey has been wanting to move in and clear out the Kurds for years. The thing that has been stopping them is the fact that you have U.S. soldiers mixed among the Kurds, and the military presence there has stopped this from happening. President Trump has now said he is going to pull out the U.S. troops. Now, the fears are – there are several fears. First of all, the fear is that Turkey is going to move in militarily – and they are going to eliminate, 
yes, eliminate the, these Kurdish fighters that the U.S. has supported for years and years. The Kurds in Syria have been our allies against ISIS. The concern is Turkey is going to come in and just run them over. The other problem, of course, is that uh, you've got all these ISIS terrorists who are in these prison camps that are being maintained by the Kurds. Well, the concern is that Turkey is going to pretty much let these folks go. The other concern is if you remove the Kurds from Syria, Turkey is not necessarily as committed to fighting ISIS as the Kurds have been. So the concern is if we pull out militarily, what's going to happen is ISIS is going to be free to, again, use Syria as a breeding ground, and then we're going to be in the same situation that we were 10 or 15 years ago. Historically, one of the problems the U.S. has had with foreign policy is we get involved with things, and then... After there is a short-term solution, what happens is we pull out. And by us pulling out, we end up making things worse. Barack Obama in Iraq, uh, the first president, you know, Bush in Iraq as well, the whole uh, in Afghanistan, that is. And now President Reagan and the first president Bush in Afghanistan, and now perhaps President Trump in Syria. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's open up the phone lines. And I understand it's foreign policy. I understand it's somewhat complicated. But the concern is if we pull back the troops that we have there, we are essentially inviting Turkey to come in, take over this land, do whatever they want with the Kurds, and we, we risk Number one, betraying one of our most valuable allies in that area. And number two, uh, again, turning that area back over to ISIS. I think all things considered, President Trump, and I understand he wants to make nice to Turkey. I get that. I understand that he promised that you weren't going to have permanent military commitments. But if you pull out the troops now, I think really bad things are going to happen. I think it is bad policy, incredibly ill-advised. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's see, Jeff. I'm with President Trump. I have a sister serving there. We want her home. We want all our troops home safe and sound. You would too if you had family there. Well, okay. That, that that's with all due respect. That's a a pretty narrow way of looking at a situation. I mean, we have military all across the globe. We have military in Korea. How long ago has it been since the Korean War ended? What, like 50, 60 years, 50 plus years? All right. The, the bottom line is, is there a role for the military to play? Now, I understand you don't want to be an occupying force, but what happens is you pull those troops out and you are inviting a huge disaster on a number of levels, including including endangering national safety. And I think it's interesting that this is one of the things that Republicans generally think is a bad idea. 
Democrats generally think is a bad idea. The military thinks it is a bad idea. And yet the president wants to go ahead and do it. 414-799-1620. Todd in Greenfield. Hi, Todd. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Well, why is it our responsibility to police the world, especially that far over there, when they have neighbors and our allies are over there in that land? Why can't they take over and do their responsibility versus us having to sacrifice our people way over there? Well, the problem is, it, you, do you see no national security interest in trying to keep ISIS under control? Oh, well, of course I do. Well, yeah. but well that maybe, answers your question. Maybe he could talk to the, our allies and, and say, okay, you know, how about a couple hundred from Britain, a couple hundred from uh, Israel, you know, and get them together to our place versus us having to do the whole load. Well, that's... That's a different story than just saying we're going to unilaterally pull people out. I, I don't. I don't think Israeli troops would be too welcome in Syria. That's just kind of no, my guess. No, but no, no. But I understand you. You want there. more, right? You want more of a coalition, and sure. you know you think that you know the European Union should be doing more. Now, thanks for the call. And I don't. And and I'm not necessarily disputing that. At the same time, it's not like we have this huge military presence there. And 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 maybe that's fair. Maybe that's the answer that we need to put more pressure on the French and the British to, you know, make this a true multinational operation. And and again, I, I'm not going to argue about that one way or the other. I am just saying that if you pull the U.S. troops out and essentially allow Turkey to do what it wants, what Turkey wants to do is it wants to get rid of the Kurds. It wants to take back this land, and that's what they're going to do. And they've made no bones about it. And the effect of that is going to be you're going to have, you know, one of the the few forces in that part of the world that has been a, a solid, reliable ally of the United States who's been willing to fight, you know, ISIS insurgents. You're going to have them suddenly in this war that they're probably not going to be able to win with Turkey. You're going to have, to the extent you displace them, to the extent the Kurds are forced out, what's going to happen then is, all right, they're, they're going to abandon these these prisoner of war camps, etc., and you're going to have all these ISIS fighters who've been captured. They're going to be turned loose to go into other areas of Syria and do whatever they want. I, I mean, I just think... You know, the, the bottom line is we're, we're putting ourselves at risk. Plus, they have been an ally of ours. I mean, let, let me, for those of you who are old enough and, and remember the, the Vietnam War, I mean, if you will recall what happened at the end of the Vietnam War as the North Vietnamese, um, etc., started to move into like Saigon and things after like the fall of Saigon, you know, the United States did everything it could to get a number of the South Vietnamese who had worked for the U.S. government to get them out, you know, because they knew what was going to happen if all of a sudden the U.S. completely bailed and you allowed, again, the the victorious, you know, the, the, the victors to essentially come in. You knew exactly what was going to happen, and, and that, I think, I think it's to the credit of the United States that they did everything they could to get as many people who helped the U.S. during the war out. They didn't get everybody out, but they got a lot of people out. That is to their credit. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when we have our allies, you can't just abandon them, and you can't just abandon them on what appears maybe to be a whim. And, yes, I, I use that word correctly. It, it's a whim. This completely and totally surprised everybody, including the military. Peter in Milwaukee. Peter, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi. Uh, you know, I just wanted to agree with what you were saying about abandoning the Kurds and take it a step further. We are clearly demonstrating to the world that our commitments don't mean anything. Uh, when you use the word go back on a whim, you know, that's that's where we are. And I think this has long term uh, serious implications for us and our relations with our allies. Yeah, I mean, I have a text. Let me just share this with you. My son served in Iraq 2006 to 2007 and came back from a nine-month tour of duty this May. I can't believe President Trump wants to abandon the Kurds who have been our ally. I don't get it. And I don't get it either, Peter. I mean, it's it's not like we have 100,000 troops in that area either. But but they are the only thing, I think, stopping Turkey from moving in and eliminating these these. The, the, the people that we've been relying on to fight ISIS in Syria. Yeah, thanks for calling. I mean, I just it's just if if this was part of a long term strategy and I look and I get the idea that, you know, you don't want the U.S. to be the world's police person. I, I mean, I, I understand that. But again, we've had troops in Korea since the 50s and and they're there almost permanently and a, a lot many more people there that are in Syria. If you had a firm commitment from Turkey that Turkey wasn't going to, I don't know, move in and take this land back, I, well, that'd be one thing. But but Turkey's not saying that. Matter of fact, I think Turkey's very clear that once the U.S. is gone, they're going to be launching their own land war against the, the, the Kurds in this area. What does that mean for national security and what does it mean for our allies? And how can you go around the world expecting people to ally with, be, become your ally if, well, you decide one day we're going to pull out and you're going to be on your own? I mean, it's not a very good message. I really, really, really hope President Trump reconsiders this. This is one where you want to listen to the politicians. You want to listen to the military. You want to think about what you're doing before you do it. That's just me. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. $530,000 or you're not welcome. All right, here's the latest battle going on involving the Trump campaign. President Trump is scheduled to have a rally on Thursday in Minneapolis at the Target Center. That's where, like, the basketball team plays, and I believe the hockey team plays. You know, it's, it's the big venue in, in downtown Minneapolis. They have a contract. The Trump campaign has a contract with the arena to be able to use the arena. So that's that's the deal. And they have, I, I mean, President Trump, and let's take this with a grain of salt, um, says there's been 72,000 requests for tickets. All right, so, it, it, but we've seen how these Trump rallies go. It, it's going to be a big deal. The mayor of the city of Minneapolis is a big-time lefty. His name is Jacob Fry. He loathes President Trump. You know, he's already talked about, well, when they first announced in September that this rally was coming in, uh, the mayor said he couldn't stop the visit, but Trump's message of hatred will never be welcome in Minneapolis. He called Trump's actions reprehensible. So th- this guy despises, loathes Donald Trump. Okay, so the rally is supposed to be Thursday. Earlier, well, I guess it's yesterday, maybe over the weekend, the city of Minneapolis says to the Target Center, the people that run the arena, they say, here's the deal. We're going to charge you $530,000 for providing security for the Trump event. 
That's what we're going to charge you for the Trump event. Now, they, the, Minneapolis doesn't have a contract with the Trump, you know, with the campaign or anything. But they say to the arena, five hundred and thirty grand, and we want it up front. So the Target Center then turns around and says to the Trump campaign, um, if you want the building, you're going to have to pay us $530,000 that we're then going to forward on to the city of Minneapolis. Now, here's the deal. The city of Minneapolis, to my knowledge, has never charged other campaigns or other entities for the security associated with an event. For example, um, Barack Obama was there in 2009, didn't didn't charge, have never charged for any campaign rallies. The city of Minneapolis has never charged um, organizations, including the Twins, the Vikings, etc., about sharing costs of additional event expenses during games. So they've never done this, but they say, "Oh, we, we've been we've been thinking about this." So the first time they're trying to pull this is when it's a Donald Trump rally. In addition. President Trump has had two other rallies in Minneapolis in the last year or two. He had a rally last October in Rochester, Minnesota. That cost seventy-six thousand bucks. Seventy-six thousand bucks. Um, and then he had another rally in Duluth last year, and it cost the city $69,000. Now, I understand Duluth and Rochester are different than Minneapolis, but still, that the actual cost of the city was 60 or 70 grand. The city is saying 530 grand. Target Center is trying to collect that upfront, and it has started this giant Twitter war between the mayor and the president. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Guess here's how I look at this, but I want your reaction. First of all, look, let's let's not kid around. Let's understand what is going on here. This is the mayor of Minneapolis who doesn't want Donald Trump there and is trying to put up as many roadblocks as he possibly can. I think it is reasonable to have a policy where if you're going to have events, whether they're let's have a party for the Minnesota Twins, you know, making the playoffs or a campaign rally or something, and you need to have an extra police presence, I think it is reasonable to have charges and to have a policy that that says that. But you have to have that up front. You can't wait until two or three days before the rally and then all of a sudden say, hey, for the first time in decades, we're now going to charge. That's number one. Number two, there has to be some basis for figuring out the charge. Nobody knows where $530,000 comes from. It's just apparently a number that the mayor pulled out of a certain part of his anatomy. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I think it's reasonable for municipalities to say, We want to be reimbursed when these campaigns come to our city. We don't want to have to eat the whole cost of the extra security. I think that is a reasonable position to take. But the way Minneapolis is doing this is, in my opinion, completely and totally wrong. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think he is be- he being Donald Trump is being singled out. If Minneapolis wanted to develop a policy regarding this, no problem. But they should have had you can't do it two or three days before the event. 
and you have to cut a deal, in this case, with the target center, and then the target center could, in their contract, include a provision saying to any campaign, you know, you're going to have to pay us this amount of money that's going to then be used for the extra security. If you want to do it, that's okay. If you decide as a policy matter, that's where you're going to be. But I just think the way Minneapolis is going about this is clearly political. Nothing more, nothing less. 414-799-1620. Dave on the south side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, it seems like an awful lot, 500000 but I remember in 2016, he never paid Green Bay yep. for his visit up there. I don't remember the dollar amount, but the campaign stiffed Green Bay for the security and the policing. Well, you, you say you say stiffed. I mean, most campaigns don't pay for these these things. Sometimes the sometimes the communities send bills and sometimes they pay. Most times they don't. It's not just Trump. It's it's Obama. Well, it's yeah. You know. I know Hillary did the same thing, but it's like he never he never paid a couple places in Wisconsin from the campaign, and the campaign does have money to pay. Well, right. I guess. And and again, see, I want you to understand, Dave, if if the policy of a community is going to be, whether it's Milwaukee or whether it's Minneapolis or whether it's Rochester or whether it's Eau Claire or whether it's Green Bay, if the policy is going to be, you know, we're going to charge we're going to charge venues for rallies. Okay, well, then you need to have that agreement that's in place. And then the venue, for example, you know, if there was an agreement in place between the city of Minneapolis and the Target Center, follow me on this, that said, all right, if you're going to have an event there that's going to require extra security, this is what the cost is going to be, and this is how we figure it out. And then you don't just apply it to the Donald Trump rally. You apply it to the Bernie Sanders rally. You apply it to the, you know, but it's the basketball team, the Timberwolves. You apply it, you know, when they have a rally. You, you do it across the board. Okay, fine. That, that Then the venue knows, okay, when we're negotiating the contract with whoever, you know, we include these extra charges. But that's not what Minneapolis did. The city, and it, let's, let's just be honest about this. You know, what's going on here is this is just an effort. The mayor doesn't want the Trump campaign there. He doesn't want Donald Trump there. And so I think they're using this as a pretext to try to keep him out. And, and that's... That's, again, what bothers me. The Trump campaign is going to sue, and they're probably going to win because they're going to say, hey, look, you know, we there's nothing in our contract. There's nothing in our deal with the Target Center which says that we have to pay an extra $530,000. Plus, there has to be some rational basis for it. I mean, where where's the numbers, you know, coming from? Jeff, I find it ironic that the left is constantly accusing President Trump of misusing his power, and then they try to do something like this two days or whatever before the event and come up with this astronomical number in order to try to block him from being there. If this isn't a gross abuse of power, I don't know what is. And and I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I mean, I agree with that. This Minneapolis has had years. I mean, keep in mind, they had a Super Bowl, uh, what, last year, 2018, right? You know, they, they've, they say, oh, we've been trying to work on this policy and coming up with a policy on, on this for years. Okay, well, right, they had the Super Bowl. They didn't have the policy in place. They've had other campaign rallies. They haven't had the policy in place. But three days before the Donald Trump campaign is scheduled to roll into town, then all of a sudden you come up with this? I don't think so. Mike in West Dallas. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Um, yeah, great show, by the way. Thank you. I believe the president is being picked on. He's being singled out because they don't want him there. 
But this action isn't really uncommon. Um, municipalities, cities, they do this to rappers, um, quote-unquote gangster rappers, all the time. Um, they increase the fees, for example, because mm-hmm. they have got to hire extra police because of the content of their music. Mm-hmm. Um, so this type of stuff, it, it's more common than you think. Well, and um, it's, it's not a question of, I mean, see, thanks to call. I, and again, I... I does for example does the venue if if i own the fiserv forum and some group wants to come in and perform in the fiserv forum do i think as part of the contract do i have every right to say hey you're going to be responsible for sharing some of the security costs absolutely and if the fiserv forum wants to enter into an agreement with the city of Milwaukee that, all right, you know, we're going to need extra police presence and this is how much we're going to be charged, et cetera, et cetera. And and they want to have a deal and then they want to pass that cost on through a contract to whoever, whether it's a gangster rap act or it's the, you know, Bernie Sanders campaign. If they want to have a, a deal saying, okay, this is how much it's going to have extra security to have, you know, your event at our place, and you're going to have to pick up a cost. You, you include that all in the contract, and then people decide if they want to do it there, if they want to do it somewhere else. But see, none of that happened. None of this is included in the deal the Trump campaign has with the Target Center. This is the city of Minneapolis three days beforehand, just, I think, trying out of pure spite to try to block the presence of the Trump campaign. And that's what's wrong about it. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Are they nothing but a bunch of hypocrites? All right, huge story involving the National Basketball Association. The NBA is probably... The, the, in America, probably the second most popular league, maybe third most behind baseball, but football still still rules. The NBA has done an incredible job, though, of expanding its appeal worldwide. And they've been working on that for years and years, and that's why you have games that are played all over the world, and, and clearly they view themselves as an international brand. China is, of course, a huge market for the NBA. And it's a market that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They estimate that about half a billion Chinese watched the NBA on streaming platforms last season. Okay? One of the most popular teams in China is the Houston Rockets. And you say, okay, well, well, why would the Houston Rockets be so popular? It's because Yao Ming who was arguably the best basketball player to come out of China, he played for the Houston Rockets. And now, like, he's in charge of one of their their Chinese sports federations. But the bottom line is, China is a big market for the NBA, a lot of money involved there, and they think it's going to do nothing but grow. Um, This week, there's been an exhibition event that's been scheduled for some time in, in China, and they're sending... The Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, arguably the best-known basketball player in the world. The Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets owner is from Taiwan. They're sending them to, um, they're sending them to China. All right? So what happens is, late last week, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, 
sends out a tweet in support of the pro-democracy protesters in China. Now, you perhaps been watching this. We talked a little bit about this um, yesterday. Hong Kong is semi-autonomous. It's under Chinese rule, but it, but it's not. And what's happening is China, which is an incredibly totalitarian regime, maybe the most restrictive totalitarian regime in the in the world outside of like North Korea or something like that, um, is is trying to crack down on Hong Kong. And you've undoubtedly seen the different protests that are emerging by the the pro-democracy forces that are there. So anyhow, the Houston Rockets general manager sends out a tweet. It says, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Right, that's all it says. Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Well, after he sends that out, the Chinese government goes absolutely, totally nuts. They say, oh, this is terrible. You know, how dare... How dare anybody associated with the NBA? And again, this isn't an, it's not like it's an official NBA stance. It's the general manager of the Houston Rockets who says, you know, fight for freedom, stand with, with Hong Kong. The Chinese government goes absolutely bat crap crazy about this. They've now canceled the TV broadcasts of these games. They've demanded apologies. And the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, is kind of like in, in between. He doesn't want to irritate the, the Chinese government, which is, of course, again, the, this huge product base. At the same time, this is a league, the NBA, which perhaps more than any other professional sports league ha, has been woke. It, it stood up for and supported its players, criticizing any sort of aspect of, of American life, for example, any sort of social justice issue. If you have the ball players that want to say something, they're encouraged to do it. Well, now it's running you know, straight into the whole issue of, of money. Now, South Park. You know, the TV show, they've even gotten into this. I mean, you know, South Park has started making fun of the the Chinese government censors. Um, Last week, they had an episode called Banned in China, where um, the South Park kids, you know, the cartoon kids, essentially came out and were saying things like, well, you know, we... um, you know, we we're we don't care about, you know, our ability to express ourselves as long as there is money involved. The NBA, typically outspoken players and coaches, have all been noticeably silent about this. You you don't hear LeBron James talking about it. James Harden from the Houston Rockets, he's like, Oh, we love China, etc., etc. If stuff like this was going on in the United States, you know very well that these woke players would be denouncing it to the hilt. But because it's China, the idea that you could even send out a tweet saying, Hey, you know, we, we support democracy, you know, we support freedom, stand with Hong Kong, it's nothing but crickets from these NBA players, in my opinion, in large part because they understand, you know, where money from their sneaker contracts with Nike and things like that are coming from. So you have this idea that, gee, we're open to criticize pretty much anything, but if this might cost us money, well, then we're going to be quiet. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, the NBA is trying to walk the, this thin line. The owner of the Houston Rockets immediately kind of got on the general manager saying, you know, he doesn't speak for, you know, for us. 
But I guess my point and what I would like to discuss with you is if you're going to have a sports league that is built upon encouraging freedom of expression, right? Don't you realize that maybe that freedom of expression is going to get a little bit sticky sometimes and it might give heartburn to some people. And if it's okay to criticize the Dallas Police Department or the Milwaukee Police Department or if it's okay to criticize some big business enterprise in the United States, I mean, what? why aren't these players standing up for the pro-democracy forces in Hong Kong? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I think the only answer to this is that they, they recognize that that China is a cash cow and they don't want to do anything to upset the apple cart, which is fine. But then let's just be honest about this. Moving forward, it's all about the Benjamins, nothing else. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. Right now, choose from two amazing finance offers, but only through October 15th. Visit PellaWI.com. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I want to double back on something we discussed yesterday and talked about a couple times over the last several months. You have this homeless encampment that's been allowed to grow and thrive and survive underneath I-794, under the freeway. And... You know, it's actually been enabled by a number of, I think, misguided but well-intentioned, you know, advocates, quote unquote, for the homeless who've, you know, seen these people that are living under the freeway overpasses and they brought them tents and they brought them food and they brought them clothes and, and they've been, and they've enabled this to, to go on. And you have these huge problems now because, first of all, winter's coming on. Secondly, um, you're starting to have crime in the area. Third, it, it's, you know, it's squalor. People are living in, in filth. And now, you know, the DOT says, well, finally, enough is enough. There's a state law that says you can't camp out under the freeway overpasses. Uh, the, the state and the city and the county have looked the other way. But now they're finally saying enough is enough. And they're saying, OK, by October 31st, that this all has to be gone. You've, you've got to be gone from there. The question becomes, and, and it's it's kind of difficult to figure out how many people are actually there, 60, 70, 80, whatever. A number of them who are homeless, not by choice, have, have found placement. As we talked about yesterday, there's some people who don't want to go into the shelters, even though there's room for a variety of reasons. And then there's some, perhaps of the people that are remaining, perhaps the majority, who are homeless but they have issues, mental health issues. There was a study in the L.A. Times yesterday said they estimate that about 75 percent of the Los Angeles homeless population has mental illness or substance abuse problems. Now, I, I don't know how that extrapolates to Milwaukee, but it's, it's probably true. And, you know, if, if you've got somebody who's a drug addict or has an alcohol problem, they, they don't want to go into the shelters. Because there's rules. You know, you, you can't drink. You can't do drugs. All right. They, they don't want to do that. Or you have the people who are mentally ill and they, they don't want to be inside for whatever reason. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to you. But they don't want to. All right. So that's the backdrop of this. Well, yesterday, the United Way to the United Way's credit announced that they were stepping up and what they were going to do is they were going to take 75 grand and they were going to be contributing to try to assist this homeless population that's living under the freeway into you know getting some form of 
of at least temporary housing. You know what they said? They want to set up temporary centers within the next three to four weeks. Um, and so th- those temporary centers would provide short-term shelter and then with the idea that they'll try to get some long-term housing commitment. And they said, we're willing to put up 75 grand. Mike, that, that's a good start. My guess is it's just a start. But, but nevertheless, that's fine. And I think they should be applauded for doing that. Here's what I want to discuss with you, though. October 31st comes around. And let's say let's say there's 60 people there now. All right. Let's say that over the course of the next couple weeks, you have found placement for 30 of, of those folks. All right. So that that's worked. But the other remaining people don't want to go. Now, again, maybe it's because. You, you've got the substance abuse problem and, you know, where, wherever you go, whatever sort of housing that you find, temporary or otherwise, there's, there's going to be rules on that. You know, you're no drugs and, you know, no alcohol. And you've got some certain people who don't want to abide by those rules. Then you have the other people who suffer from the mental illness and they don't want to be inside or whatever. And again, it doesn't make any sense, but that's kind of the reality that's out there. So you've got this program. It's out there. You've got some of this money. You've got these people that are offering, you know, the, the, the concerned folks who are offering, you know, to try to do stuff. Well, it's October 31st and you have, let's say, half this population that decides they don't want to go. They don't want to leave their tents. They don't want to give up their place under the freeway. They want to stay there. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You offer people help, but if for whatever reason they don't want to be relocated, they don't want to play by the rules of whatever rules you set up for some you know, alternative you know, housing, what do you do? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, in a perfect world, October 31st rolls around. Everybody has found housing that is located there. But let's say you've got a percentage, 20, 30 people that have it, unwilling to go, unwilling to take the offers of help. What do we do? Do you clean out? Do you you take the possessions? Do you take back the tents? Do you move in with the garbage trucks and clean it all out? And if people refuse to leave, do you arrest them? How do we handle this if they refuse to go? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What would you do? And what will be the reaction to what you would do? 414-799-1620. Let's discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Here's one of our texts. Tom Barrett does not have the guts. Oh, that's not the word the texter uses. Does not have the guts to enforce the invic, uh, the eviction. All right. Let's see. Here's another one of our texts. Um, I don't know if it would work, but if they refuse to leave, you could consider them a threat to themselves or others because they could freeze to death and institutionalize them to remove them. It's a short-term solution because as soon as they're released, they'll become homeless again, but perhaps in a different area. All right, Morgan in Kenosha. Morgan, you're first. Hello. Yeah, I mean, at what point in time are we going to start enforcing the laws in this country? We just allow too many illegal occurrences to happen. And then until it becomes a big mess like this situation is we're talking about, we don't do anything about it. 
Okay, so Morgan, I, I want you're you're now the county executive of Milwaukee County, or you're the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. It's November first. Half of Tent City is gone, but the other half is there. And, you know, you've got the United Way that has these agencies set up, but the people that are there are saying, hell no, we're, we're, we're not going to go. We want to stay here. So do you, do you call the county sheriffs and the state patrol and Milwaukee police in to, do you, do you call them in to clean it up? No, you call in, well, yes, but there's a, a process. You call in every academic or uh, institution of higher learning, make it known, make it an educational issue. You contact every uh, church community in the area, anybody who loves their community, and have them sit down at a round table and say, look, this is the law. You all have any better ideas than what we currently have? You're free to have at it now. But at the end of the day, if somebody commits a crime, they don't have a job, they don't have an address, they don't have a phone number. That makes law enforcement so already more difficult than what it already is. Yeah. It, it is a public nuisance at the end of the day. Well, no, th- they, see, I, I, I agree with you, and, and I just. I, look, I, here's how I hope this whole thing plays out. I, I hope that between the different social service agencies that are there and the influx of money from the United Way, I, I'm hoping that the people that work with this on a regular basis can get those folks that are there to understand that you know you, you can't spend a, a Wisconsin winter in just for your own sake. You can't spend a Wisconsin winter outside. Secondly, you know, under a freeway overpass. Secondly, we we just I mean, we are a country of of laws, and you know, it's it, they've been trespassing. They've been trespassing for months and months, and we've just kind of looked the other way because we haven't wanted to deal with this. So, I mean, I'm hoping they're able to achieve placements all around. I'm not optimistic about it because, like I say, I think there's a lot of people that wherever the placement's going to be, it's going to have rules, and it's going to well, those rules are going to mean you can't fight, you can't drink, you can't do drugs, all those sort of things. And there's some people that just don't want to do that, and then there's some people who just flat out want to be outside so for those people who refuse to go i think recognizing how it's going to look on tv and i understand the mayor probably wants to get reelected, you know next spring and the county executive wants to get reelected next spring it, it might make for bad optics but the truth of the matter is you try to help people you extend them these offers you say look we've got these different alternatives yes there are rules you have to follow but you know we we have these different alternatives if at that point in time after explaining different options to people, they still refuse to go. Well, I, I don't think you're going to have any choice but to say, okay, th- this is how this is going to play out now. You know, you, you've been told this has to be cleared out. If you're not gone by, you know, 12 noon on November 1st or whatever this is going to be, you know, we're going to move in and we're going to have the state patrol there and we're going to have the county sheriff's department and they're going to be assisted by the Milwaukee police and we're going to move in and we're going to bring in the garbage trucks. And yes, we're packing up all this stuff and we're throwing it out because you can't live under the bridges and you know, part of this problem, and I mentioned this yesterday, I, I still think goes back to some very, very bad decisions and settlements that we made in this area years ago that make it very, very difficult to institutionalize mentally ill people. Again, you can only 
involuntarily commit somebody if you can demonstrate that they are a danger to themselves or a danger to others. Well, the problem with that is that's such a high threshold that normally you have to wait until they hurt somebody else or they do something to really hurt themselves very badly. And and that's not a sufficient alternative. I agree with a couple of our texters. My larger point would be, hey, you know, if you would rather stay outside in a tent under the freeway in 20 degree below weather uh, than go to, I don't know, some center that's been set up and underwritten by the United Way or whatever, that's almost per se evidence that, you know, you're you're a danger to yourself, but the courts haven't been willing to do it. But regardless, October 31st rolls around. If there's still people there, authorities have to move them out. Live from Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. So, Tony Bedick, I was listening to your news account. Did I hear you say that uh, Sterling Brown, his attorneys, had rejected the proposed settlement offer of $400,000? Yep, that's correct. Okay. Just so, just in this past afternoon, they filed federal. Uh, they filed paperwork in federal court, and I believe they're expected to hold a uh, news conference Thursday. But uh, yeah, it's but it's looking like the judge is gonna. They're asking for the judge to strike it. Well, I mean, right? Because well, yeah. What ended up happening is they, uh, they there was a settlement offer that the city made, and so they're saying that that's presumably not enough money or not enough whatever. So right. All right. right. Yep. Interesting. Four hundred thousand bucks. Um. T- to me. I guess I, I have a, a, a three-word suggestion to the city of Milwaukee, which is go to trial. Uh, that's here. Here is the problem with civil rights lawsuits, though, and it's it's the way the law is set up that attorneys, in many many cases, they see typically when it comes to attorneys' fees, each party has to bear their own costs. So if you have a, I, I don't know, if you have a dispute and you're paying your lawyer, and the other side is paying their lawyer, there's always this kind of inherent pressure to try to settle because the meter's always running. You, know, you, you can fight stuff out, but you're paying, and the other side is paying, and it's the lawyers that make a bunch of money. So there's an inherent thing to settle. In civil rights lawsuits, a lot of times what happens is under the law, the prevailing party can get their their um, attorney's fees. So the meter's always running. So let's say you, you file a civil rights lawsuit. And if you win, even if the jury only gives you 50 bucks in damages, well, you, you still won, and your attorneys can come in and they can ask for you know large amounts of money. So th- that's one of the things that's out there. I think the city of Milwaukee made a very, very reasonable offer to settle this case. And I think there's... Um, Lots of blame to go around on both sides uh, of this. And I, I the, the, as I said before, and I know sometimes you know people disagreed with me, I, I think the police made mistakes in their interaction with Mr. Brown that night. I just think that's, that's the reality. Now, whether those mistakes, under all the circumstances, rise to the level of a violation of his civil rights it is a, a very different sort of thing. I thought the city, and I know there's a lot of aldermen who had to swallow hard to say, okay, we're going to extend an offer of this amount of money to try to resolve this case. But they did. I think they made a good faith effort. If Sterling Brown wants more money or whatever, I, I think they it, try the case. Just let's try the case. Let the facts 
all the facts come out and then let a jury decide. I think it's going to be unfortunate if that's the way it goes, because I don't think it's going to help bring together a polarized uh, community. But I thought it was a very, very fair offer that the city made. If, in fact, it's true that Sterling Brown and its attorneys are rejecting that, fine, they have the right to do it. Nobody says they have to settle. Go to trial. Let the chips fall where they may. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about a lot of serious and heavy stuff. I um, When I first started seeing the woman who's become my wife, one of the things, you know, you're, you're talking about views of the world and things like that. And one of the things I remember saying to her is I said, "Hun, you don't have to love dogs. But to be with me, you got to love my dog. <laughs> because... Uh, and and I was very fortunate because she loves dogs and and she and and she and Sasha Fran and Sasha have just bonded. As a matter of fact, I, they they frequently gang up against me in the house. That's kind of how it's worked out. But but I I admit that you know this my dog and she's now four and a half years old and and she's a major major part of of the family and it's one of those things where it just doesn't matter what kind of day you've had you come home at the end of the day and the dog is glad to see you you know dog's happy dog is dog is thrilled to see you i i was thinking about this because there's a story actually it was on fox six the other night and, and it's reporting on this study here's what it says owning a dog is tied to lowering your risk of dying early by 24 percent and it's a series of studies that they've been doing across a number of countries. And, and what they do is they've come out and they say they think dog ownership was associated with a 24% reduction in all-cause mortality. And they say for people who had, had a heart attack or a stroke, they say having a dog was more beneficial. They had a 31% reduced risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. Now, they're trying to figure out that why that might be because, again, they're, they're looking at, at these numbers, you know, people who own dogs versus people who didn't own dogs and things like that. Their theories are, first of all, for people who live by themselves, if you have a dog, it, it improves your quality of life because you've got a companion. You've got somebody to go home and who's glad to see you. You know, you've, so you've got that going on. It's, you're not alone. And these studies find, you know, that that, that could be a big deal for people living longer. In addition, if you've got a dog, well, chances are you're probably getting a little bit more exercise than maybe if you don't because those dogs have to be walked, you know, and so, you know, if, if you're, you know, you're out getting, if you've got a dog, you're walking the dog. You know, you're taking the dog out three or four or however many times a day. Maybe you're going on long walks. Maybe you're going on short walks. But you're walking the dog. You're walking. You're getting out of the house. You're getting off your butt. You're going out, and at least in the neighborhood, maybe longer. So you're getting more exercise. And there, there's other theories that are out there as well. I want to just take one segment of the program, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am a big believer in the fact that owning pets, and I'm a dog owner, so that, that's my perspective, and this study is, is dog-related. I am a huge believer that I, I think owning a pet can improve, perhaps dramatically, 
improve the quality of your life. Now, maybe it's it's not you, you can't quantify that it means that you're you know going to live longer. Although I think it probably makes a little bit of sense. But but I know, and this is from the perspective of somebody who spent most of my adult years not owning a pet, not having a pet. I just think having a pet adds a lot to quality of of life. And I guess I'm glad I took that step a number of years ago. And I'm kind of kicking myself that, you know, maybe I, I should have been doing it for the last 30 or 40 years. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Pet owners of the world, here's my question. Do you think your quality of life is improved because you own the dog? You own the cat. Do you buy this study that suggests it might actually help you lead a longer life? Or is this just all silly correlation junk science? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I actually tend to believe it. I'm not sure I can explain why, but I tend to believe it. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. New study um, says pretty clearly that there is a correlation between people who own pets and a reduced mortality risk. Doesn't mean you're not going to die if you own a pet, but that you tend to live longer. I buy it. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Hey, we had a couple of miniature schnauzers and a miniature poodle, and we loved them to death, and uh, they did so much for us, so much. And they passed away, and now we had two cats wander, literally wander into our lives. <laughs> and I never thought I'd be a cat person, but I love those cats as much as I love the dogs. Why? Why is it that you? Why is it that you think that the dogs added such quality of life to your life? Uh, mentally, mentally, they uh, they showed us so much love, and and physically, you know, we we walked them constantly. Yeah. And uh, I don't get out as much. I can't walk the cat as easy <laughs> as I can walk the dog. Right. No, no, I think so. you're, no, thanks for calling. No, I mean, th- that's the kind of stuff, and at least intuitively, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, it's probably, I think it's tough to quantify that type of stuff. But, you know, the other thing it says is that, like, for example, dogs provide companionship and affection that can reduce anxiety and, and depression. And I, I think... I mean, I think that's true. If you think about, if you're a pet owner, you think about like some of the worst things that you've gone through in your life, and I, I don't know, maybe it's somebody close to you passing away, or maybe it's a severe illness or something like that, and and the fact that you you know have th- this animal for for there's a reason why they call them comfort animals that that they're there. Barb in Minneapolis. Barb, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I'm sorry. I can hardly hear you. Well, we can hear um, you just fine. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. I can hear you now. Um, yeah, I, I have kind of a lot in common with the last caller. I, I never thought I was much of a cat person either, but I moved away from uh, Milwaukee several years ago, and my friends got me a cat for my birthday. They let me pick it out, but and I was a little nervous about it, but honestly, God, after I got him, I mean, it sounds kind of sad, but um, I'm on disability and stuff, and I uh, I never realized how lonely I was until I got him before that. I mean, it's just wonderful having him here as a comfort, and, you know, he greets me when I come home, and it's yeah. nice having a responsibility, having somebody that, you know, relies on me for right. stuff, because sometimes I feel like, 
all I do is rely on other people. Right. And, and you, right. I mean, thanks for calling. You have to. You have to be home. You know, there, there's something. There's there's some other living thing that you have to end up taking care of. You know, all that stuff. I, I think is important, and I think it's significant. And again, I, I I don't know. I don't know how you quantify this type of stuff, but. And I don't want to be too like Pollyanna about this, but I think for those of us who who have pets, it's it has enhanced. Certainly in my case, you know, enhanced the quality of of life. And I think that there's a lot of people. And look, and there's I get that the flip side of this, they can be expensive, right? I also, I mean, if you want to go away, you always have to figure out, okay, who's going to be watching the dog? Who's you know, how are we going to be dealing with this? So there's a hassle to it as well. But there's a hassle with lots of stuff that's really, really good. This I thought was an interesting study. Okay, when we come back. A classic example of when you've dug yourself a hole, sometimes it's best to just fill up the hole, climb out, and declare victory. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There is no such thing as a free lunch or a free breakfast, right? All right, here's the latest story about the so-called lunch shaming, and I want to get your reaction to this. This story is now going viral. I hate that because it's such a cliche, but it's going viral. Um, Here's the story. The woman, the mother, has gone public about this because she is outraged. She's got two kids, second grade and a fifth grade, both daughters. They go to this, they're, they're at an elementary school, and the elementary school serves breakfast. The kids get in line to get their breakfast, They get up to the front, you know, where there's the cashier, and I guess they've got a card or something, and they don't have money in their account. So the cashier says you you can't have the food. They take the food away from them, all right? And the the mother, mother's upset. The kids come back. They are upset because they have been lunch shamed. That's what she says. Other people, you know, other kids saw them take the, the food away. She says... The lady took their food from them in front of everyone in the lunchroom and told them that it was because they didn't have money in their account. Okay, so she said, the mother said, there were kids snickering in the back of the line. It made them feel uncomfortable. I can only imagine how they were feeling. So the mother is all incensed at the cafeteria worker for not allowing the kids to have the food that they could not pay for. All right, so that's one side of the story. Now, here's the other side of the story. The student says, okay, the school says, Students aren't allowed to buy anything when there's no money in your account. What they say is, when a student's balance is low, the school notifies the parents twice a week. The balance is getting low. The schools also send home a letter explaining the process of applying for free or reduced meals when a student's balance goes into the negative. So they, they, send, they, they send notices twice a week. All right, your your kids, the money in the account is getting low. Put money in. Then when it hits negatives, they send notes home to the parents saying, if, if you don't have money, if you can't afford this, you know, we have these different options. Maybe you can apply for this or, or do that. But, of course, the operative thing is you have to do something. Okay, so the mom is outraged saying you should never take food away from an innocent child. It, it's awful. The mom, however, acknowledges that she didn't put money in the kids' accounts. And the mom acknowledges that she didn't do anything about the reduced cost stuff, but I don't think she's I don't think it's a question of not having the money. It's just 
for whatever reason, despite getting multiple notices, she didn't put the money in the account. And now she's upset with the school for not giving her kids the food. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I understand that it might be somewhat embarrassing for the, the kids to, you know, go through the line and find out that there's, you know, not money in their account. Okay? And that's that's a bad sort of thing. But whose fault is that? The mom is outraged at the school. Isn't this really a situation where, where maybe mom should be looking in a mirror and answering the question about rather being mad at the school for not giving the kids the food, maybe I should be mad at myself for not putting the money in the account and not paying attention when they send me notices twice a week and not doing anything when they send me a notice saying the thing that the kid's in a negative balance. I mean, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, this comes up from time to time. And I understand that there's sometimes there's just like glitches of things that happen. But this mom is outraged because... She didn't put money in her kid's account, and the school stopped giving them food. All right, is that really the school's fault? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I understand when we talk about these lunch or breakfast shaming stories, you know, sometimes there, there's variations to this or there's mistakes. But in this particular case, mom gets notices. Mom doesn't put the money in the account. The account goes into negatives, and the school district says, we're, we're not going to give you money. I mean, okay, if, if the kids went into a McDonald's and they ordered food and the people you know, brought the food and then they said, okay, this is going to be 365 and the kids didn't have the money, the private business wouldn't be giving the kids the food. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and here's, I mean, the other point. I, my guess is that mom will learn her lesson from from this and my guess is that mom will be more attentive in the future in making sure that when she gets the notices saying that the account is in arrears that she puts money into the account okay let's start with dawn in milwaukee dawn you're in wtmj um i have to agree with the mom in this case unfortunately for you but the thing is you don't shame those kids because the mom wasn't very smart at the school my kids went to, you just said, oh, sorry, honey, you couldn't have this, but here's an apple for you, and you have to let mom know that you have to fill the account. Unless she's a habitual offender of this, which it doesn't really say, there's no way those kids should have been shamed like that. Well, we, well, you say, well, you don't have to be sorry, but you, you say, but who, whose fault is this? I mean, what do you do? It, would you agree with me that it's mom's fault in the first place that this happened? Okay. Not child's fault, mom's fault. Right. Oh, okay. So, how do you get mom to change her behavior? If, uh, you continue to give the kid the apple, the orange, and if they don't like that so much, they're going to tell mom, "I'm sick of eating the free apple, and I'm sick of eating the free orange. You need to give me some money for my account." From the perspective of of being shamed, don't you think? I mean, isn't there going to be a degree of shaming anyways? I mean, aren't the kids going to see that, that you know, everybody else has got scrambled eggs and you've got an apple or an orange? I mean... But you're not stopped from eating. There's mm. not that stop in the line. You just hand them the apple. Maybe the kid chose to eat the apple. 
that's an option. I mean, it was at our school. You could pick fruit. So nobody's going to know that you didn't just pick to eat the fruit that day. Well, right. Okay. Thank, thanks. So 414-799-1620. A number of schools do have policies where they'll, they'll give you like a peanut butter sandwich or something like that. Now, the problem is a lot of the, the lunch shamers, they, they think that that's not enough anyways because the other kids are going to know that there's a difference between, I don't know, the kids that are getting the regular breakfasts or the lunches and and the fruit. I, I guess where I come down on this is this idea that, you know, it, it, it's, it's the mom's fault. And I guess rather than mom being outraged and irate with the school. And, and here, we're going to turn this into a national story about how awful the lunch people are. You know, is there like no introspection at all? Because mom acknowledges that, yeah, I, yeah, I got these notices and, you know, I, I didn't pay. All right, let's, here's a, t- a couple texts. It's embarrassing, but it's not shaming. Well, yeah, it might be a little bit embarrassing. It's probably like you, you go into McDonald's and you order five bucks worth of food and you don't have enough money to pay for it. Jeff, it's clearly the mom's fault. It sounds like the mom is a member of a generation that thinks nothing is their fault. She needs an education as much as her kids. Jeff, never, ever humiliate a child over lunch money. Not their fault or the school's. Mom is to blame. I work in a school cafeteria, and 50% goes in the garbage anyways. Settle it privately, but don't deny the child a lunch. Well, okay, how do you do that as a practical matter? Kid's up there. Kid doesn't have money in the account. Mom has been notified on multiple occasions. And, again, this isn't a situation where you can't afford it. This is a situation where mom just hasn't gotten around to putting the money in the kid's account. Do you let the kid continue to continue to eat? I mean, really? 414-799-1620. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute.